Well, Art, it's great to be with you here at Daytron World Communications. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you guys here. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, fun. it's fun to look out on your shop floor there and yeah. see so many interesting things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, there's a lot going on out there. Yeah, there is. There and, is. And a lot of impact in the world. Yeah. But it's a story uh, that is an interesting story how you got to be the CEO of Daytron. Could you tell us about that? Oh, sure. Because it wasn't just a little. By the company, it's all working well. Wasn't one of those stories, was it? No, no. I, I spent a lot of years in corporate America uh, in the finance role. Uh-huh. Uh, I learned after I left Disney uh, that I love to build things. So uh-huh. I went to work for a manufacturing companies. So I'm a finance operations guy, and that's what I love to do. I love uh-huh. to build things and was trained uh, in finance and accounting. And so that's that's my core competency. But um got away from that and found out I love to build things more than I do uh-huh. account for things. So uh-huh. um, I went to work uh, for Daytron in 1997 uh-huh. as their VP of finance and took over operations and uh, spent a couple of years doing that. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we were a public company, Daytron Systems. Uh, Daytron Systems was sold to Titan Corporation here in San Diego, and they spent three or four years uh, with us. Not sure what to do with the product company. They were not a product company. They were a service company. Uh-huh. And so they weren't sure what to do with this. But during that time frame, they were trying to sell Titan Corporation. And was and it about $10 million at the time? Uh, we were doing about $10 million at 10 the million. time, uh-huh. right, uh-huh. in revenue. Losing money. Uh, anyone out there that knows corporate allocations from big corporations, uh-huh. we were losing money because of corporate allocations. But okay. that's another side story. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, I never had been put in the general manager role uh, until this issue at Daytron uh, came up. And, uh, and a company came to acquire Titan. They did some due diligence. Now, at Daytron World, we're a military radio manufacturing company, but we do 90% of our business is outside the U- United States. Uh-huh. So we design and build radios for foreign militaries, uh-huh. first and foremost. Don't do very much business with the U.S. military. And so we, we deal in some very interesting cultures, very yes. interesting risk environments, political environments, financial environments that um, require you to finance things and do things. And the company that came in to acquire Titan didn't understand what we were doing in that marketplace. Their, one of their attorneys decided that we had to be bribing foreign officials, which is mm. against the law under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act here in the yeah. United States and accused us of bribing foreign officials to uh, get our business. Hmm. And in February of 2004, launched an investigation into Daytron World Communications. I was a subject to a criminal investigation Mm -hmm. with the Department of Justice. Not something you want on your uh, bio headline. Not something I want. The interesting part was I didn't get a call from my CEO. I didn't get a call from my group president. I got a call on a Friday night from an attorney from New York who asked me if I was Art. I said, yes. She says, I'm so-and-so from New York. I've been asked by your company to advise you that you're a subject in a criminal investigation with the Department of Justice. Now, the interesting part is my CEO probably lived more, no more than 40 minutes away from me. My group president was 15 minutes down the street. And neither of them had enough respect for me to pick up the phone and tell me what was going on. Yeah, oops. I got a call from New York. Um, that led to an SEC investigation. We had to guard our track. I, I, I have a whole story with that. But I think the important thing is when that started, we told people we hadn't done anything wrong. And I got people together and said, you know what? I believe that, th- that 
the truth will set you free. Mm -hmm. And we're going to stand on the truth. Mm -hmm. And so if there's anything that you get asked, I want you to answer that question honestly Mm -hmm. and openly. After about three months, the um, partner from the accounting firm that was doing the review, now they reviewed everything we did for five years, Mm -hmm. every transaction. I mean everything. Wow. Every piece of paper, everything we spent, everything we shipped. And she said, you know, Art, this is not about Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. And we didn't find anything wrong. And I said, well, I told you you wouldn't. But she said, it isn't about FCPA. I said, what's it about? She said, the acquiring company sees a weakness in the valuation of Titan and wants a better price for the deal. Wow. My corporation wanted to protect the price of the deal. Uh Neither one of them cared about the employees. They Uh just cared about the value of the deal. My goodness. And so that was the thing that really got me started and said, listen, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, I said, if I have an opportunity to buy the company, I will. Mm -hmm. And in November of that year, after all this stuff went, went, got behind us, um, Titan asked me to sell the company. And of course we were in the news all year long. Mm -hmm. No one would want to buy the company. Yeah. Um, Nobody. Yeah. Even foreign companies. And so I put in a bid. Uh Uh-huh. And I said, I'll offer $6.5 million for a $10 million company that's uh-huh. a losing business. But you have to carry the paper because I don't have $6.5 million. Uh-huh. The CFO called me one day and said, Art, we can't accept your offer. And I said, okay, what, what do you want? I thought negotiations are going to start. Yeah, he thought, oh, maybe eight. Yeah, and he said, I want you to pay $2.7 million. And, Greg, I actually took the phone and banged it on the table and said, Gary, um, I don't understand. I, $2.7 million. He says, yes, we just want you to pay book value. Wow. I said, my book value on my book is $15 million. And he says, we know, but we haven't believed in your business for the last three years, so we've been writing it off behind your back. Oh, my gosh. So he said, you just have to come up with a million-dollar down payment. Mm-hmm. Went out, talked to banks. They wouldn't touch me, wouldn't even touch me. Uh-huh. Customer that I helped... Uh, with a $15 million order in, in 1998-99 was in Zimbabwe. We did such a good job finding the money for that transaction that they came back and said, we want to order another $7 million worth of product. Uh-huh. And oh, by the way, we have a $2 million down payment. Uh-huh. My rep called me up and he said, I have the money. I said, do you have it in Zim dollars or do you have it in U.S. dollars? Yes. A very important point. Yes. He said, U.S. dollars. He says, you want me to hold on to it until Titan sells the company to you. I said, no, Ellie, you need to send that money in right now. I'm still an officer of Titan. That money belongs to Titan. Send it in. I convinced Titan that money should come with us because we were going to perform under the contract. Yeah. I got $2 million with the company. Uh-huh. CFO decided that I should pay $4.7 million Dang. instead of $2.7. So I agreed. Uh-huh. We closed on a Friday. $2 million less than planned. Yep, $2 million. I... Closed on a Friday afternoon at 5. Uh, a bunch of guys from my church were here praying with me in the conference room. And while we were praying, guess what? The, the deal closed. Uh-huh. And I think God took me out of that because I was getting a little frustrated in a couple of days because things weren't moving on you know, the way they should. God asked me to step aside for a minute and said, I'll take care of this art. And so I got the $2 million on Friday. Uh, I gave them a million dollars back on Monday. Monday afternoon, we received notice from the bank. We received almost $4.5 million payment on a letter of credit we weren't expecting for another three weeks Ka-ching. on a foreign deal in Africa. Uh-huh. At the end of our first day in business, 
Now, God owns this business, not me. Uh-huh. At the end of the first day that God owned it, the full day, we had over $5 million in the bank. So net, net equity increase under God ownership. Under God ownership. <laughs> um, it cost me $15,000 in legal fees uh-huh. to buy the company, uh-huh. which just like a good employee, what did I do when I first became an employee of the company I bought it? I submitted an expense report for the $15,000. Exactly. Of course. Yeah. If right? you can't expense it, it's not worth yeah. doing. So, That's what we like to say at Service um, Master. God provided the million-dollar down payment. Uh-huh. Um, our first month in business, we received $11 million in orders. Gosh. Four months later, we received our, our first order out of the U.S. government for Afghanistan, a $32 million order. Uh-huh. And by May 2005, we had Titan paid off. The full $4.7 million wow. was paid. Don't and believe in debt. And today, Daytron, are, do we want to talk about today, today on the radio here? Yeah, or, sure. Okay, no, so, today, so. today, Daytron, uh, we grew to about $200 million. Um, we pulled back when things pulled back overseas. And today we're about a 75 to $100 million company. And I, mm-hmm. I say that range because things are ramping up again with all the stuff going on in the world. Yeah, yeah. And so that's looking good. But last November, I think it was, August, August. We signed a $495 million deal with the U.S. government for five years to supply equipment overseas. So that was a record order for us. And, um, and that's, that's great news. Yeah. And well, let, let's – because you and I know each other pretty well, not super mm-hmm. well, but I know that you don't want to stand here or sit here and talk about uh, great stories that are about you or Daytron. Right. But if – if you can think of the person who's out there listening to us right now, they're in the middle of a tough deal, conflict, bank calling notes, um, an audit. What would the 2017 art say to the 1997 art who was in the middle of that deal mm-hmm. and things were looking a little, little crazy? You banged the phone on the table. Yeah. What is the thread of of God's learning um, twenty years later? Don't ever compromise your values. Huh. Don't ever compromise them. Huh. Regardless of situation, you know uh, God says. I think it was in Proverbs um, this morning that those that place their trust in Him, He's our shield and protects us. Uh-huh. Um. And I don't think I realized that back in 2005. Um, But we've been through some ups ups and downs since then. And 2014 was one of the worst years we've had. We lost $14 million that year. Uh I stepped back in as CEO. I'd left for a little while and came back in. But all along, we didn't lose our values. Mm. And we we kept looking to God for direction, protection, guidance. Yeah. Don't ever let that go, regardless of the circumstances. If you're being asked to do something that's against your values, get up and walk out of the room because huh. people will respect you for it, whether it's the bank huh. or a customer. I have a customer in Egypt that we walked away from many years ago. He asked us to sign something and backdate it, and we said, no, we wouldn't do it. Um, that was a $6 million deal. Today we're doing a about a $8 million deal with them that, if successful, will turn into about a $40 million deal. Hmm. They came back to us, Greg, and asked us, will you please be the prime on this because we trust you, hmm. because they know our values. Mm-hmm. So don't compromise your values. Hmm. You know, God's given you these values. Mm-hmm. Don't, 
compromise because the world is, is putting all kinds of pressure on you. Okay. Um, well, he will protect you. Yeah. We're sitting underneath the banner of your values, and as I look at some of those on the wall here at Daytron, uh, sort of a strange juxtaposition comes true right away, right? Mm -hmm. That most businesses wouldn't have your first value as their first value. Mm -hmm. uh, it says, our families come first. That's correct. What does that mean in the, in the midst of a rough and tumble day-to-day -day mobile communi or communications business around the world, a mm -hmm. couple hundred million, mm -hmm. families first? That sounds kind of like a nonprofit mission statement, but here you are What's going on with that? Well, I, I had to learn about the priorities that God asks us to live by, uh -huh. not the priorities that this world puts on us. Uh -huh. And what I learned, and there's a great book out there called The Armor Bearer. I don't know if you've read it or not, but it, it sets the priorities for us that God's first. Lori, my wife, is second. Uh -huh. My children, Jennifer and Chris, are third. And everything else comes after that. Mm. And... I had to learn that when I, when I was serving at church in a prayer ministry for my pastor. And he was wise enough to teach us those priorities and live by them. Um, and we had to show here that we were serious about our faith. Mm -hmm. And Ken Blanchard challenged me, you know, 2003, I think it was, do you really believe what you believe? Yeah. And are you willing to, to stand by that belief? Yeah. And if you are, then you don't have a choice to, you have to be a servant leader, uh -huh. right, to be obedient. But you also have to live by godly priorities. And that's pretty difficult for us guys in business. Um, people that, that own companies and run companies, we believe that we're the only ones that can do things. It's yeah. seven days a week. And I will tell your listeners today that I almost lost my family because of that. Mm. And when I discovered that I was living by the wrong priorities and I changed those mm -hmm. priorities, yeah, I had some tough years, but... Here's the one thing that I truly believe. I wasn't ready to accept what God was, get, was going to give to me while I had the wrong priorities. Huh, huh. And when I changed those priorities and made them real in my life, God said, Art, you're ready to accept what I have for you. Wow. And that's wow. when things started to turn around. And so um, it's about obedience for me. Uh -huh. And so, and I tell our folks here, you don't, you don't have to be a Christian to work for Daytron. You just have to want to help people right, and have a right. servant's heart. And I always tell people, listen, this company will go on whether I'm here or not, whether you're here or not. This company is not Art Barter. It's not, you know, Greg. Mm -hmm. This company belongs to God. It's going to go on without us. Mm -hmm. You'll never get that time back with your kids. Right. I will tell parents with teenagers, don't sacrifice this time because you only get that once. Uh, live the right priorities, do some research in the Bible and find out what the priorities are you're supposed to live by, and then live by them. Yeah. And that's why we put families first. Yeah. I used to have a sign yeah. on my desk uh, at, at work in uh, Vancouver in Canada with Service Master. It said, save some for home, mm -hmm. right? Because so many executives are out there 8, 9 o'clock at night, honey, I can't make it for dinner, uh, cancel the plans with that other couple to go wherever this weekend, I have a big crisis at work. That was me. There you go. That was me. Yeah, and, and I've done it myself. Yep. And I love how Rick Warren puts it when he talks about um, this whole thing of time management. He basically, in, in essence, I'm, I'm going to 
mess up what he puts so brilliantly, but he basically says, if God gave you a certain set of talents and skills and abilities and a particular job to do, and he doesn't want you to burn out and be tired and overworked, Mm -hmm. then it's pretty clear that he gave you enough energy and time to accomplish the things he wants you to accomplish without working extra hours. Exactly. Right. Right. So if you are doing that, it just means you kind of don't get it, right? It it is. And if you're going to sacrifice your family, um, I will tell you that's the wrong decision. Yeah. Um, Hmm. I wish I could go back and get some of that time back. Yeah. But I can't. I can't. I've lost it. Yeah. And I wish I had someone who pulled me aside in college and said, Art, I want to talk to you about being a servant leader. I want to share Uh with you what it's all about. Yeah. Um, You don't need to go down this corporate ladder world that we're in and be all about you. Um, I had one gentleman early in my career once tell me after I left Disney, he said, Art, you never, never socialize with other people in the company unless they're above you. You only socialize up. And I, I went, this guy, he doesn't get it. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't get it because he's there to care about people in the organization, not about where he's going to go because of who he talks to. Isn't that interesting? I've had a conversation with somebody uh, in the last while that says, I really don't know how to be friends with people that work with me mm-hmm. um, because of that same paradigm that somebody said to them one day, which was you can't be friends with people you work for right, or with yeah, or that work for you. And that's so odd. And it, it is this... It seems to me it's a juxtaposition of theological values because I don't find anywhere in the Bible it says don't be friends with people that you work for. But it's been around work uh, places for probably 50 years. years, years. I will tell you, in, in, in the Christian environment, uh, when you care about people, uh, we have a, a couple of people here that pray. And when somebody's in trouble, um, we find out about it. We have a couple of people we send notes to. Uh-huh. And they pray very quietly behind the scenes. And you couldn't have that type of relationship by just, you know, not getting to know them yeah, and not appreciating them for their heart and not understanding their gift is really in, yeah, they bring gifts to the company, but prayer is a very important gift as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, along the journey of, um, I would call it worldly success and people success and excellence success at Datron, uh, Ken, did, Ken Blanchard did challenge you about um, making this real, mm-hmm. and part of making it real for you was establishing the Servant Leadership Institute. Mm-hmm. So talk to, let's talk about that a little bit, because there could be some people listening that say, you know, listen, I read Greenleaf's book, I read, um, I read Ken Blanchard's book, Servant Leadership is like 80s, mm-hmm. and... Um, does it ever get old or tired for you, and how do you keep it fresh? Not, not at all. You know, Robert Greenleaf wrote some great things, uh-huh. and there's one thing that I think doesn't apply today that he wrote back in the 70s, and that is that you start with a natural feeling to serve. Uh-huh. And I, I, I believe in today, and looking at and watching people, that our lives have become so busy mm-hmm. with soccer and activities at home and and church and charities and work stuff and play stuff that we're just going, going, going. We, I think that that feeling to serve has been buried under all the activity that we've got going in our lives right now. Uh-huh. And I think that serving, especially in behaviors, can be a learned behavior. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has to be a natural feeling. I can share story after story of people that 
I would have sworn 10 years ago there was no way they could be a servant leader. And today, they're one of the best servant leaders we have because yeah. they've changed their behavior. Yeah. Um, well, Dan, Dan Maltby at Biola University did some really good research in this area, and he basically reminded us all up, up the road there at Biola when I worked there that uh, leaders are made, mm-hmm. not born. Exactly. And every study confirms that, right? Yep. Yep. So does is that person a leader? Well, maybe not today, but maybe in a year they could be, yeah. right? We believe every everyone is a leader because our definition of servant leadership is to inspire and equip those we influence. Yes. Not the ones that report to us, not the ones that are part of our organization. Yes. But the people who watch us, the uh-huh. people who, who um, watch what we say, what we don't say, how we do things, uh-huh. what we don't do. Uh-huh. And I, I believe that we have more influence through our behaviors today than anything else. Yeah. Because people have gotten tired of leaders talking about what they're going to do. Uh-huh. They're waiting for people, the leaders to behave about who they are yes. and behave the way they want to be. Yes. And so that's why we focus on behaviors. But we started, started to look for companies in 2005 to help us implement servant leadership. Yes. Couldn't find anyone uh, to implement. We found a lot of teachers, but not a lot of implementers. And yes. so we spent a little over half a million dollars, brought in some folks. We designed our own curriculums, and we designed a 45-hour training program for our employees, uh-huh. three modules of 15 hours each. Everybody goes through it. We focus on the individual first, then we uh-huh. focus on the team, then we bring everybody together and go, okay, now what are you going to do with it? Uh-huh. Um, and we saw such success in what we were doing. We, we saw success in financial numbers. We saw success in people growing and changing their lives, changing their families' lives, um, that people said, all right, you need to share what you've learned here. You need to share it. And so the Servant Leadership Institute was born out of that request to share what we knew about implementing servant leaders. So that's what we do. And that implementation, what we found to be um, the most transformative of, of our people uh, has been the nine behaviors that we teach. And we mm-hmm. have nine behaviors that we teach about being a, a servant leader, and those are the ones that create the most transformation in people. Mm-hmm. So and can we talk about those? Sure. It, it's, it's easy. Serve first. Serve first. Build trust. Okay. Live your values. Mm-hmm. Listen to understand. Mm-hmm. Not just listen, but listen to understand. Okay. Think about your thinking. Once you've listened to understand something, what are you going to do with it? So we ask you to think about your thinking and spend some time reflecting. Talk about that one a little bit. Think about your thinking. Greg, I spend more time today in reflection and thinking than I've ever had in my career. And there's, a, there's some writing about that in the last couple of years that are is saying the number one thing that CEOs do not do mm-hmm. is make time to think. They have to. Because all this information data is coming to you in a world that moves a mile a minute. Uh-huh. All right? And people are talking to you. you you've got to listen to understand. What are you going to do with that? Yeah. And how's it going to impact you as a leader? Where are we going to go? And how's it going to impact your organization? And where are you going to go? Yes. Who's going to get us there? And the best way to do that is find your quiet spot. Yeah. I've, 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 Where's I've, yours? I, I kid. Can you talk about it? <laughs> I, have, I have a uh, balcony at home that uh-huh. I can see the ocean from my home. I can uh-huh. hear the waves. Uh-huh. Uh, that's my quiet time. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of quiet time in my office. Yeah. Because people know that there's times when I just want to want to think. Right. And, and go through things, then there's prayer time. Yeah. So you, you, you pick those times. Yeah. And, you know, in today's world, sometimes I think the best thing we can do is create a workshop to show people how to turn off their phone. 
That's not, it. Not turn That's it to it. vibrate, but actually turn it off. That's it. Right? And turn That's off it. electronic devices. And one of the challenges we give people is... Wait, the Daytron Communications that makes mobile communication devices says that you need to turn off your communication Turn them device. off if you're going <laughs> to be real about thinking about your thinking, right? You've got to turn them off. And so um, I challenge people to go back to their offices after one of our uh, workshops. Turn off all your electronic devices, all of them, clocks, phones, computers, laptops, whatever you've got. Turn it off and spend 15 minutes with yourself yeah. thinking about things. Yeah. And I tell people this will be the longest 15 minutes of your life. But yeah. if you learn how to do this on a regular basis, it will be the best 15 minutes of your life. Yeah. Because it will change who you are. Yeah. And it will help you change your organization. Yeah. You've got to take this time. Yeah. You can't skip it. So um, I'm, I'm a little bit enamored in the last uh, two weeks with a gentleman. I'm not going to be able to tell you his name because it's brand new to me. But it's a, um, an American who became uh, a Scottish uh, Master's in Divinity student over mm -hmm. in Scotland. Mm -hmm. And he went to do his internship at the parish. Mm -hmm. And he gets to the parish and says, in good American fashion, kind of knocks on the door and says, uh, here I am to do my internship. Uh, where's my office? <laughs> and the uh -huh. gentleman who he was going to work with, the, the priest or the rector or the minister at the, res at the church said, it's out there, laddie. Right, exactly. And he pointed to the street. Yep. And this American Masters in Divinity student said, you mean I'm just supposed to walk around the community? Mm -hmm. And 10 years later or so, he came back to the United States, now runs a little parish in Wenatchee, Washington. Mm -hmm. But isn't that interesting that it took uh, a Scottish minister in a little tiny town called Methlick, Scotland, mm -hmm. to tell an American preacher student, your parish is out there. It's out there. And I'm right. guessing mm -hmm. that you're not a um, person who doesn't get seen very much out there. I bet you're out there a lot. You know, I, I love it on the floor. Uh, I love to sit and, and watch people build things and uh -huh. talk to them about problems. Uh -huh. They usually see me when there's a problem. Yeah. That's usually when they see me down there. But uh, we share, we get together once a month and uh, a little gathering. And then once a quarter, I, I meet with them for about an hour, hour and a half, and mm -hmm. share all our numbers with us. We don't tell them where we are. Yeah. How we're doing. If we're doing great, great. If we're not doing great, I tell them that and yeah. share with them where our challenges are. And, and so, um, yeah, yeah. So let's get back to the nine behaviors. So okay. uh, we think about your thinking. Yeah. Um, demonstrate, uh, excuse me, uh, add value to others. Okay. Demonstrate courage. To live as a servant leader requires courage. And talk about that. What does that mean? Because you can't put the results of the organization on hold while you transform it. Okay. One of the toughest things I've done as a leader is to transform an organization's culture and at the same time achieving results. Mm. And what I learned was it's not about the results. It's, it's how do you get those results? How you get those results is more important than the results themselves. How you get them. And that's God's way. How do you get those results? Yeah. Don't be focused on the results, but how do you get there? And, um, so we focus on that quite a bit. Uh, so we demonstrate courage in that. To be a man of faith in California and put in God we trust and people we invest on your wall in the lobby. Not simple. Takes courage. Yes. It's not simple. But what I tell people is 
you know, especially employees, I'll, I'll say, listen, I'll be more than happy to pay you in a different currency. And they say, well, no, I want U.S. dollars. I said, well, pull the dollar out. And it says, in God, we trust on your dollar, and you accept that every payday. How come it's not okay for me to put it on my wall? And that usually quiets things down, and then I'll get their attention. And they, everybody here knows that I'm a man of faith, uh -huh. and that's, that's important to me. And that's what drives my desire to be a servant leader is yeah. my faith. And yeah. um, did so we do, we did we do the nine? Demonstrate courage. Then you've got to expand your influence, uh -huh. uh, increase it, and then you have to live your transformation. Uh -huh. You know, Robins, do not conform to this world, yeah. but be ye transformed. Yeah. Be ye transformed. And the biggest challenge we have today is to serve the person and not the ideology. Right? In today's world, the ide ideology gets served first. And in servant leadership, if we're servant leaders, we serve the person first. Uh -huh. And it doesn't matter whether that person's in a, in a socially accepted box for us. God puts that person in front of us. We need to serve them. Yeah. And that's tough to understand sometimes. Yeah. And in today's world, we, we want to judge people. What does God tell us? Mm -hmm. We're not to judge. Right. We're here to serve. Yeah. Well, somewhere out there, there's an executive looking at his or her value set on the wall. Mm -hmm. And maybe it says something like, Profit, excellence, growth, uh, quality, but it doesn't necessarily say anything about families um, or some of the things that we've talked about. What would right, you say right. to that person who says, things here are not exactly like you have talked about? In 2005, we had to sit down and look at the purpose of the company because under Titan, we were all about quarterly profits. That's all that mattered, right? Public company, you report profits to your shareholders. Um, and so we sat down and said, what are we about? What are we really about? Is it all about profits? And I will tell you, at, at $10 million in revenue, I would have been thrilled to be a $20 million company making money. Uh -huh. I didn't have any of these visions. I didn't have any of these ideas of where God wanted to take us. But I will share with those listening today that we had to find out what our purpose was. And what we decided our purpose was, we didn't believe in debt, uh -huh. so we had to be profitable. We had to be self-sustaining. Uh -huh. We had to make money because we wanted to help people. Uh -huh. We didn't want to borrow that money to, in order to help people. Mm -hmm. We wanted to be self-sustaining. But our pr main purpose is to positively impact the lives of others today and in the future. Uh -huh. And we, we put today and in the future mainly because in our radio business, when you sell a radio to an international customer, that radio is going to stay probably in their force for probably up to 10 to 13 years Wow, on average. And so we can't sell a radio and walk away from the customer. We have to be there supporting them regardless of where they do business. Yeah. And they, we do business in a lot of interesting places. And so we had to commit to ourselves that we will be there and support you for 10 years after we sell you the last radio. Mm. We're not going to go away. It's huh. not about selling radios. And when we looked at that purpose and said, we just want to help people, well, how do we do that? Positively impact their lives. We help leaders and militaries around the world control situations with good communications and not with bullets. Hmm. I want to help those guys hmm. Goodness. because they're saving lives. Yeah. And yeah. that's what the purpose is all about. How do we save lives? Yeah. When we get a chance to save the life, then we get a chance to talk about why life is so important. Why God's so important? Why do you want to be a servant? I am asked more 
more times than not in countries that you would not believe want to know about servant leadership. Yeah. But the leaders can't ask about it, but they want to learn about it behind the scenes so they can yeah. implement what they see. We have trust. We have customers that trust us because of our servant leader hearts, uh -huh. because we're there uh -huh. to help them save lives. Uh -huh. And so that's the purpose. In order for our employees to feel the purpose, because doing some business overseas is, is real hard for employees. We can tell them stories, but we tithe 10%, and I would challenge any listener out there that owns a business, are you tithing on your business? And if you're not, how can you say you're obedient if you're not tithing on your business? Yeah, and I think the numbers are probably now at this point in time over 1,000 grants, 47 over thousand countries. Grants. 47 countries, and I think we're upwards to 15.5 million that we've tithed. Mm -hmm. We set 10% aside. Lori and I didn't feel comfortable with all that going to our home church. So 10% of the 10% goes to our home church. Yeah. The other 90%, our employees are the only ones that give it away. We yeah. don't take outside grant requests. They get to decide who gets that money. Yeah. They give to, get to give back to organizations that have helped them through tough times. And so that's how they get to positively impact the lives of others, yeah. by helping. And I can share a whole bunch of stories with you, but I, I'm, I have the best job in the world because everyone thinks that, you know what, we need to thank, thank Art for all this. You need to thank all the hearts out of the company for this because it's their hearts that give this money away, not mine. I just get to go say, hey, guys, you need to go recognize the people here. Yeah, um, yeah. It's fun to watch what's on people's hearts and what they do with that and how they live the purpose day in and day out because they get to help people in a different way. Yeah. And when times are tough, we always tell our folks, grab a cup of coffee and walk the hallways. We don't publicly put this out, but we put thank you letters on the wall for our employees to keep ourselves motivated. And this is why we do what we do. Yeah. This is why we do it. Let's not forget about that. Huh. Just because we're you know twelve thirteen years old now, yeah. Since we bought the company, but let's not forget who we are. Right, right. Yeah. Well, everybody right. needs to remember uh, why the why sometimes, exactly. right? Because sometimes we get lost in the details. We do, we do. Um, so it's been a pleasure being with you. I think our time is uh, coming to a close. And let me. How about if we just close with uh, the book that you wrote? And who or how did that come about? Uh, Farmer Abel. Farmer Abel. A yep. fable about servant leadership transforming organizations from the inside Side out. out. Yep. So here's, here's um, a couple of reasons. When I was, was young in my career at, at uh, my first manufacturing company, I came across the book called The Goal. Uh -huh. And for the older folks that are out there my age, I'm 63, you're going to remember that book. It was a story about a guy who was, who was given a manufacturing plant to run. He didn't know what to do. He ended up going up on a hill, looking over the plant, going, what am I going to do here to get this culture changed? That book stuck with me more than anything. And mm -hmm. so the stories in life, I believe, help people transform more than a book about just learning. So mm -hmm. the stories is what bring things alive. I always wanted to write a fable, and so we got a team together, some uh -huh. creative folks, and we said, hey, guys, let's put this together. We incorporated some of my own life stories in there. Uh -huh. So uh, Sunny, who is the daughter, has some life stories in there that are true. Uh -huh. Patience is Farmer Abel's wife. She was named Patience for a reason uh -huh. because Lori watched my transformation on the front line. Uh -huh. And um, we had a great time with it, had a great response. Um, it's going through international book shows right now. It looks uh -huh. like it, it may get picked up internationally, which, which will be exciting for us. Yeah. 
And you know, we're not in it to make the money. We're not in it to do, we, we give away more books than we sell because we just want the word to get out there. We just yeah. want people to realize you can do things differently. So, and then just this year we released a book on uh, servant leadership uh, journal, uh, taking you through the nine behaviors, mm-hmm. two weeks on every behavior, asking you to sit down and, and teach yourself about the behavior, do some research, write about it, set a little goal for yourself, come back the next day, record what happened, and then do it again. Yeah. And some of the feedback we've gotten is, you know, it's, it's changing lives because for some reason people haven't sat down and, and journaled through their life before. Yeah. And yeah. it is a big change, but they've never sat and had nine behaviors to sit down and think about and build upon. And so we're hoping that that just starts the, the transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, in an unbelievable way in a lot of leaders' lives. Hmm. Yeah, and so. Well, Art, thanks for listening to God who gave you some vision and some ideas and some tactics to make a company that honors him and that uh, encourages people to serve him by serving others. I appreciate it. I'll just leave you with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And uh, I've stood on that. Uh, for a long, long time, don't ever try to understand God. You know, just don't understand. Don't, don't, don't stand on your own understanding because it will limit where you can go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Live under God's principles day in and day out. Have the courage to do that, and watch where God will take you. And uh, miracles will happen. And um, I'm not the only one out there, and I'm not perfect. And we've gone through our own struggles, but I will tell you, my life has changed because of what God's done. Mm. And uh, I thank him for it almost every day. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for taking time, Art. Thank you for convening and all the work you're doing. You're uh, welcome. It's, uh, I will share with everybody out there, there's, there's not a convene that I hardly ever miss. I missed the last one because of eye surgery. But um, that's a day I set aside. And if you're not setting that day aside, gentlemen and ladies, set it aside huh. because it's a special time every month for us to get together with other Christian CEOs and leaders and find out that we're not the only ones going through those challenges. Isn't that funny? And then uh, get to pray over it. Yeah. It's our pleasure to serve you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. My pleasure, Greg. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Bye-bye.